0: This is one of the things about television I don't like. I don't know what the upper management of the BBC felt back then. I still don't know what they feel now. John Turode, he tells the story of how we met. We've been doing MasterChef together for nearly 20 years. I supplied fruit and veg to him for 10 years before that.
1: You've written books. You're a health and wellness guru, media personality, entrepreneur, businessman. There is no educational route
0: you can take to being a television presenter. It doesn't exist. You do not need to exercise to
1: lose weight. Get your meals correct. In this episode, we're going to meet Greg Wallace. He's a great mate, but also a great businessman. Everyone knows Greg the Foodie from MasterChef, Eat Well for Less. Not a lot of people know that from 15, being on a market stall, he grew a great fruit and veg business and now is a world-renowned celebrity. He's going to teach you some of the systems that made him successful. Welcome back to Success is A System. I'm Mike Green. I'm here today with my great mate, Greg Wallace. And I was thinking yesterday, Greg, I thought we'd known each other about 10 years, but you said 20. It was actually like 2008 we met. And can you remember where we met? Um, Didn't we meet? We met at a party. It was the Frozen Food Federation Ball. I mean, don't get more more exciting than that, does it? I I was with one of my wives. (laughs) I remember. And you and I got really drunk, actually. That makes a change. You and I got really drunk and... uh, Uh, We just had a great night. And I remember you saying, I like you, uh, uh, we'll go out to lunch. And I thought, how many people must you say that to? And then the next day, Sophie, my PA at the time, wonderful girl, she said, Mike, there's a guy called Greg Wallace on the phone. Is he the guy on the telly? And I said, I thought thought he was drunk and, and joking last night, but fair play, you rang. We went out for lunch and we got to know each other.
0: We went to Rules in common yes
1: the, the oldest um, game restaurant in country or in yeah London?
0: and uh, and you spoke to me about business and personal development i thought yes. this is a very interesting man Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, and that's what I wanted to focus on today because so many people think they know you. Of course, I I guess with any celebrity, we think we know them, but we we only know a very tiny part of who they are. But what I think a lot of people would think, Greg Wallace off MasterChef, Greg Wallace off the telly, back to the factory or, or the different things you've done. More recently, how you've amazing transformation of your body and health and wellness. And I want to get into all of that. But essentially, what I wanted to focus on was Greg, the businessman. Because mm. a lot of people don't know that you are running your own businesses from an early stage. And you are very much an entrepreneur. Uh, and it's that side. So uh, if, if you don't mind, you know, when did you first want to have your own business? I actually had no
0: desire to have a business, funny enough. I, I am predominantly a salesman. And when I was selling fruit and veg into restaurants in Common Garden <clears> Market <throat> back in the day as a young man, I was just frustrated that the people I worked for were letting me down. So it seemed like the obvious answer was to own the business. <laughs> so, no? Because I, so that I could guarantee the people I was selling to could get a, a, a decent wh- offer. What age was this then? G? Oh, crikey. This is October 89. I was born in 64, 64, okay. 74.
1: I'm, I'm mid to late 20s. But, but already you kind of had that, and was it a control thing? I want to be, be out of control of the the customers I have, the quality, the, you know, what, where, where's that come from? It,
0: it was a desire to, to move on, it was a desire to better myself, and just the confidence that I could try anything, and it was okay yeah. if it went wrong. It, it didn't really matter. I, I could learn from it. I've never been scared of of the challenges. You get yeah. scared as you get older when you get more to lose. But yeah. at that age, with no qualifications, it it didn't it didn't really matter. You, you could you could try
1: anything. Well, same, and that's why ten years ago I wrote "Failure breeds success" because we seem to live in this world where. It's an X-factor world where people think they can go in front of Simon Cowell and suddenly become a gazillionaire or we can buy a lottery ticket and become a millionaire. And actually, people forget that, you know, failure isn't the opposite of success. It's part of the journey. Uh, And actually, the more you fear it, the more you're going to probably avoid success. So it's a very important ingredient in that. That's an amazing thing to say. <clears throat> failure is actually part of success. It's
0: funny, in this country still, if somebody has a failed business, many people think that somehow that they're crooked, yeah, yeah, that they're yeah. dishonest. No, 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 no. How are you supposed to learn? That's how you learn. Yeah, it's yeah, a, in America, they don't seem to have this. They accept that failure is going to happen. Over here, you must be some sort of crook. That's always angered me.
1: No, you're absolutely right. In fact, when Jules and I, uh, I was 27, just not long, a year before, talked her into giving up a good job got into business we lost everything we lost the house we ended up delivering pizzas on mopeds for a couple of years and that's what got me into reading I think readers are leaders and I read so many stories about people like Branson who failed and failed and failed and failed but equally I read about in America how they saw if you'd been to chapter 11 or gone bust that was like oh right you've got the apprenticeship or you you've got a degree in business and you've been so close to the edge you're never going to do that mistake again you're going to be more careful in your decisions more considered you're going to look at the people around you you're going have a different perspective on trust. And so, as I say, I don't think it's the opposite of success, it's an important ingredient on the journey. Uh, and it will happen again and again if you if you have bigger goals or more disparate uh, aims, I think. But, uh-
0: You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What I have learned is, and because I read a lot of history, and I think this is true of your finances and business, and I got this from the Roman Empire, only ever attack from a well-defended position. So they would build themselves a square mile, and yeah. they wouldn't go out from there until that was safe and secure. So venture out venture out but make sure that what you have in and around you like your house your personal finances make sure that is safe then then venture out it's like a lot that. more it's a lot more comfortable and actually as you get older when you actually own a business that you don't need to earn a living from that
1: gives you a completely different perspective yeah, on business more free reigner. Or- Well, you start making decisions based on the business. (laughs) Rather than the money. Rather than the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So fruit and veg was a passion. That was your first business, yeah? Mm. What got you first into fruit and veg? Oh, well, I I left,
0: left, well, obviously, I was asked to leave school. (laughs) And I left home at the age of 15. I did what they now call sofa surfing. And uh, so I got myself a job in Covent Garden Market. It was the first time I'd earned a proper salary, a salary that was good enough to be able to buy a house, put a deposit on the house. And uh, actually, it was still a wage back then. I got paid weekly. But it was enough money to save a bit and have a mortgage. So that's it. I've, I've started my, my journey of life. I'm in my early to mid-20s. I like Covent Garden Market. It was a good environment. It was easy to understand how it worked. You took fruit and vegetables, you put them into restaurants. Then I thought, right, how do I now move on from stacking the fridge away and being a warehouseman. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. do you
1: have to do? But And one of the things I've noticed about you, and, and, and it, it may have been from the market, because people often think you go to a market, you get some cheap stuff, but actually you get the freshest quality because if it's not perfect, they'll chuck it away. And I've always noticed about you, your, um, I was gonna say obsessive focus, but your uh, desire to get the best quality uh, ingredients, and, and use that as part of what you do. And I don't just mean in, in terms of produce. I think in business, you're looking for what's the best thing to do here, not just what will be okay. Mm. The enemy of the best is the good, is one of the sayings I have. Yeah. So good is okay, but it's not the best. And without the best, you can't really be the best.
0: Uh, do you know, it's really, as I'm still a salesman, and it's really easy to sell a product that you have 100% belief in. If you don't, it, it's, it's trickier. If you truly believe in what you've got and what you're selling, if you honestly know that you're trying to get your hands on the best product possible. It's really easy to sell. It's very difficult to sell things you don't have confidence in.
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes obvious sense because yeah. we buy we buy from people, therefore we buy into people. I guess before we buy a product, and one of the things I often say is when I got into behavioural profiling and and the different Belbin Myers, Cambridge Myers, Thomas International, and the like, um, one of the things he teaches you is you it's like a muscle. It can be weak, and the, you can learn more to train it in effect to be stronger. Um, but you know, e- equally, if we um, don't have the passion everyone's a behavioral profiler. So what they can see is there's something dishonest about the message I'm getting when they're selling to me. And they think that they're getting away with it, but you're subliminally reading even without training because we're naturally profiling each other when we take the time to look into eyes and read the face. All too often we're talking like this now and we're not engaging. But when you do, you can tell if someone's not 100% genuine, not 100% committed to their own product, they don't believe in the price or they don't think it's right for you. I think you can read that.
0: I think the same is also true of uh, being on the telly. And I think it's this sales and this social interaction yeah. and what I learned from that and realizing that actually I was okay, I could do it. Because yeah, yeah. I like people. I like chatting to people. And I think the job I did as a salesman all those years ago with Fruit and Veg is still the same job I'm doing on the television today. It's interacting with, with people.
1: Yeah. Well, and interestingly, when um, if people say about Greg Wallace, I oh, know Greg. And they say, oh, what's he like? I say, he's exactly the same as he is on the telly, kind of. But... And you are, and I think you, you take that and you that's your intent to be real, if you like. And, and I guess that's why you've had the longevity because I remember it was maybe in 2009, 10, uh, you saying to me something like, I don't know what I'm going to do after, because, you know, this is probably a one one series gig or something. And, you know, I don't know. I think you said something along the lines of, I don't even know how I got into it, really. I don't know why they chose me. <laughs> but but from there, not only has it been going like, what is it, 15 years or something? I, uh, MasterChef's been going for 18 years. 18 years. But it's gone from MasterChef to MasterChef celebrity, MasterChef professional, and it's gone around the world. as a franchise, mm. of course. So uh, it must. are you surprised with your longevity there?
0: I am really, really surprised that uh, I'm, you know, I'm the only one who does all, all, all three, celebrity amateur pros, gone on to do Inside the Factory, Eat Well for Less, you know, your own travel show on on Channel 5. I am surprised, I, 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 really, I really am. But I think what I've learned from it is, and back to business, again, linking the two together, don't be scared to be you. You have to be you. What you were saying about we're all profiling all the time. Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. clever in telly said to me, people watch television like children look at adults. Yeah. They just like someone or they don't. They don't know why. They just feel it. And I think with when I was doing sales and the same when I do telly, you have to be you. If you're taking time to try and figure out who you should be, you've yeah, messed yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've messed it up.
1: No, and you're absolutely right. And one of the things I, I first learned about... Um, profiling or behaviours, because there's only four core behaviours, there's lots of subsets, but we're very, really, very complex um, uh evolution of all our past experiences, but is the importance of eye contact, the importance of connecting and listening to people when you're engaging with them. And they said, the best example is if you watch a two or three year old, because if, 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 if you were a toddler and I was talking to you and I happen to do this or go on my phone, they grab your face and turn it back. And they don't even realize they're doing it, but they turn you <laughs> so that you are looking at them. Cause you, you say, daddy, listen to me or whatever. They'll say something like that. And you say, I am listening. You say, no, but you need to listen with your eyes and and they they understand they don't just want to hear you they want to hear you and they're reading all of that not just tonality but all these muscles that are changing they are reading naturally and i think the problem is we lose that over time and with multimedia and and they're surrounded by so much going on we we are all perfect profilers and perfect readers of body language, but we lose that skill. And partly we lose it because we don't properly listen and we definitely don't look. Brilliant. We're scared of eye contact.
0: Brilliant. People say incorrectly, sales is a gift of the gab. No, 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 it's the gift of the ear. It's listening okay. to people. It's it's not talking. If you're talking all the time, you don't know whether that person likes you. If if they're talking back to you, they like you. The chance of you, you've, you've, you've increased your ability yeah, to sell yeah. to them. They're, they're chatting to you. People say, what's he doing on MasterChef, Greg Bollocks? He's not a chef. What's he What's he doing? You know, I've had a background in food that goes back years. But if you look at the job I do on that television program, if you look at the job I do on factories or even Eat Well, I'm just talking to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my job. That's what I'm doing. It, 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 you look, they separate me and the other judges a lot of the time and just set, set me in there to, to chat to them because I like people. I'm interested in them. And luckily, people feel relaxed with me and they will talk to me. That's probably my job more than tasting
1: the food. And it clearly worked for you because, you know, again, back to Greg the businessman, what a lot of people don't realise is before uh, MasterChef, you were already supplying and had supplied Rules Restaurant, the oldest game restaurant in London. You were supplying Selfridges, Ramses, Michel Roux, yeah. Senior. Um, yeah. And now you are got great friends with Junior, uh, uh, it's Michel Rue. Yeah,
0: Junior. Yeah, people don't realise. When you say Greengrocer, uh, people naturally <laughs> think, a market stall. But before I was 30 years old, I was running 15 vans out of Covent Garden Market every morning. We eventually were turning over like seven and a half million pound a year in in fruit and veg. That's what I was doing. That's how I learned about cuisines as well. That's how I learned about food trucks. But
1: how did you get, I mean, you know, if you were a greengrocer or a fruit and veg whole, or produce wholesaler, mm. The, the, the customers you had were like the the mecca, if mm. you like. Everyone would have wanted those restaurants mm. and to be able to say, oh yeah, Michel Roux, of course he's a mate. Mm. Or, or, or um, Selfridges, yeah, I supply them. Rules restaurant, I supply them. How did, wh- what was your, because system, one of the reasons i I set up the podcast is people say what's the secret of success i say there's no secrets there's lots of systems some we build ourselves and we do it through trial and error oh shit that didn't work i better adjust that some we watch other people that have been successful and that could be an uncle that could be a street a market trader you work for or it could be a business person who said this is my system for time management my system for money management or so on but what what How did you win all of those great accounts? What was your system?
0: No one's ever asked me that, Mike. You asked such brilliant, incisive questions. Well, I know what my method was for sales, really. And that was just to blanket bomb. I mean, the law of averages says if you, you know, if you hit, if you hit enough, people are going to say, yeah. Um, I think I had an interest in the smarter restaurants. So I would go in and try and talk to the chef, not about what I had. Not about what I had to offer, but about what it was that that chef needed, what that chef was finding difficulty. John Tarot.
1: So it's about their needs, It's yours. about
0: their needs. It's finding out what their needs were. I've never considered this because no one's asked me that question. What did I do that was different? What did I do? And I made sure we delivered. That's how I ended up with my own company. I made sure we gave them what they wanted on time. Even if
1: you didn't have it as a product prior? I
0: would source it. I would go out of my way to source it. So John Turode, he tells the story of how we met. Now we've been doing Mars Chef together for nearly 20 years. He was, I, I supplied fruit and veg to him for 10 years before that. He wanted to do no. Thai cookery. He wanted coriander with the roots on because the Thais used coriander root. No one he'd ever oh. met could get it. I got it for him.
1: We were mates ever since. I mean, And he'll tell other chefs <laughs> or other people in the industry. Well, that's
0: what I did then. As you started to get a loyal following, you go, you got any mates? Who else can I talk to? Who, who else can I? And that's but you start again, to unless get Unless you're serving
1: them well, you're not at liberty to ask that question. When when people say, can you recommend me to somebody? You get it all the time. You, you buy one thing off Amazon, that's it's like, oh, give us a recommendation. I'm thinking, hang on, you've delivered one thing. You know, <laughs> let, let, let's build a, a relationship. You know, you're going straight to marriage for God's sake. You know, uh, but when you give them great service and you know you've given them great service and you've delivered what they wanted and needed, I think you then have the right to say listen, if everything's good for you, is there anyone else you could recommend me to? Well, yeah, I mean, you,
0: you've, you've illustrated that brilliantly there, I, I suppose that's it. Yeah, once you felt confident that you were doing the right thing, you then felt that justified in saying, who else can I bring this to? Yeah, Absolutely.
1: No, no. Well, um, and clearly what you did, whether, whether it was consciously or just you being you, and and a lot of what you've said in the past when we've spoken, and you know, you, you've given me your wisdom, and I think we shared a lot, but is about um, just being yourself, that comes across, you've already said it today. One of the uh, guys that I also mentor, Joe Valente, uh, ex-apprentice, one of his great sayings, and and I, I shamelessly steal it as I do all, because we're given these nuggets to share, not to keep. But his one is, your network is your net worth. And clearly, you must have done that naturally because there was no internet back when you were running that business. There was no social media to say, hey, I'm Greg, come love me, come buy my, here's my pretty fruit and veg or whatever. You had to get out there, build a network, build relationships, service those relationships well, and then get recommendation from there because there was no other way to get it it out there, was there? No,
0: no. And I'm thinking really deeply, which is the whole point of this now about my my history in in business. And I think... All good salespeople are basically insecure and want to be liked, and I think doing the right job was was meant that you got um, you, you got what's what's the what's the word, Mike? You, they, they, they thought you were okay. They thought you were doing a good job. Yeah, they, acceptance, they, I guess. Yeah, recognition.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's what that's what I wanted. It was I mean, it was basically it was it was just an enormous pat on the back. Like you're doing good.
1: Well, interestingly you enough, know, they say that the the one of the key. Four of of the behavioral profiles, and and essentially most behavior. I I think they should teach it in school, but most behavioral profiling starts at four core behaviors and then breaks down, and they are DISC: dominant, interpersonal, steadiness, compliance. Sometimes they'll say you're you're a monkey, you're a lion, you're a dolphin, you're an elephant. Sometimes they say you're red, green, blue, and yellow. But if I talk about it in heart, I the influence that's a key profile factor of good salespeople but their primary desire and you said it is to be liked or loved yeah in fact the hardest thing if they're too high i without having some d in there the dominance the desire to win the need to succeed if they haven't got the d in there they'll, they'll do all the selling and no closing so one of the worst things about some salespeople is they'll go through the whole pattern they'll show you everything they'll connect they'll build rapport we've got a great thing going and they'll say well i'll leave that with you and give you a call in a couple of days shall i instead of saying so right do you want to place an order or, great, I've got a contract here. Do you want, should we, should we sign it up now? It's the close that can become a, a problem sometimes because the desire to be liked or loved, the potential when you try and close it is that they say, no, that is rejection. Yeah. And the worst thing for a high I is rejection. If they feel rejected or unloved, they've failed. Well, if you're really skillful, and
0: you, you, listen, skill also comes from experience, if, if, if you're open enough to learn from it, is if you suspect that the answer is no, don't ask the question, but keep okay. keep the relationship open. Don't close that relationship down. That, but you've got to make that call yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I've not heard um, I've not heard it expressed that way before, and that's really good. So rather than oh, we've run out of time, I'm going to have to close it. If it's going to be a no, postpone it and build the relationship. Is that, yeah, is yeah, that you, give, yeah, give yourself a reason to come back and talk to them. And it's interesting you say about experience, and it is key. But it can be taught as well in the sense that they say that wisdom is learning from other people's experiences. The one who experiences sometimes has to go through the failure. But if you've got wisdom, you can learn from other people's failure. But equally, what they say is, have you ever heard the saying, show me a boy of seven, I'll show you a man? Mm. Of course, that applies to girls as well. It's not sexist. But the reason they say that is it's believed that your behavior is absolutely locked in by the age of seven. So those first few years is really, really important. And other than a life changing experience, your behavior doesn't fundamentally change thereafter. So mm. if you lost a limb, lost a loved one really early, had a, a war, things of that scale can change who you are, but otherwise you're pretty much who you are. The thing that adapts is your emotional intelligence teaches you, well, if I'm full on Greg, that might be too much. Or my wife will say to me being like fully on it, she'll say, can you be a bit less Mike? Some, you know what I mean? It's like, cause I can be too much for a lot of people. It's like full on in your face and I need to tone it down. The the experience really when it comes to relationships and, and connecting is about emotional intelligence because we learn certain behaviors don't hit where or land where we need them to. Sure. And so that evolves it and layers it um, Uh, positively, hopefully, but sometimes negatively for people.
0: I had this experience. I met someone who was quite interesting. I was in a restaurant. I was on my own, and they were on a table behind me. It was a fish shop with a restaurant in it, not far from the club, uh, Homegrown, where I stay. And uh, (coughs) they invited me to have a drink with them. And uh, he was older than me, and he'd obviously been successful in business. So I started asking him questions, but he wasn't answering directly enough. So I kept asking more and more direct questions. And his wife turned to him and said, how'd you put up with that? And I didn't think I was being... Impolite. I, I, yeah, he's allowed yeah. to know, yeah, yeah, yeah. seriously understand. His, I was really interested. And I said, and I apologised. And I said to him, were you uncomfortable there? And he looked at her and he said, no, I, I wasn't uncomfortable. I just didn't understand the processes he'd been through. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, really yeah. wanted to know. But to her, it sounded like a cross-examination yeah, 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 yeah. in a police because station. she's
1: seen it through her eyes as opposed <laughs> to his eyes. And back to what you were saying about selling. That I was always taught that um, a question is not an objection. It's a, an expression of interest. So you need to answer those questions. And those questions are because you're interested. Um, so let's go back to Greg, the business. We've got some great, amazing customers. We're supplying fruit and veg. Uh, and we're building these great relationships, building really good business. How, how, do, you get, how do you get into uh, media or radio? Because you went to radio first, yeah? <laughs> yeah. 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 You, this, the,
0: the thing, this is easily explained when you consider that there's nobody my side of a TV camera who ever expected to be there. All right. Right, right, right. Bear that in mind. There is no educational route you can take to be in a television presenter. It doesn't exist. If you decided right now, that's what I want to do. Where on earth would you start? You can't. You can start the other side of the camera in television production or sound recording or cameraman or directing, producing, all of those things you can do. TV presenter, you can't. There's nowhere you can go. Acting, you can. You can
1: join the dots backwards, but you can't plan for it.
0: No. So it happened to everybody by accident. So Jamie Oliver was in the kitchen of the River Cafe when the lovely Pat Llewellyn was in there filming the River Cafe and found uh, him. Okay. All right. So Clarkson was selling cars somewhere when somebody found him. I was really interested in food trends because that was my business. And it was obvious to me 30 years ago that local and seasonal was coming. So what I did was I went out and started talking to local producers local farmers home counties about growing for me so that i could have stuff that was going straight from field onto the plates, because that was the trend a trade magazine called the hotel and caterer yeah, yeah. william reed yeah. right okay they found out about it and they did an interview with me and they put me on the front cover they had a double page spread of my work with um uh, British producers because it was different at the time the freelance journalist who did that article did freelance work for Radio 4's food program went back to them and said you've got to come and meet this greengrocer they came down did a program with me I dragged my posh mate Charlie Ix in to help me because he sounded more like Radio 4 than me Six years, we were on Radio 4, and then the telly came sniffing around.
1: I mean, it's... And I guess timing is, is important as well, because it was when the BBC started to realise to relate to us normal folk, they had to get some more accents as well in there, didn't they? And, uh,
0: well, I don't know what the, the upper management of the BBC felt back then. I still don't know what they feel now. Yeah. I mean, um, th- this is one of the things about television I don't like, is decisions are made by people whose dogs you don't even get to scratch. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but there you go. I think so, yes. I, I, I think they were looking... You know, Jamie had been a big success. Uh, maybe they were looking for for more of the same. Um, I don't know. I I was the first presenter of Saturday Kitchen. My agent then phoned me up and said, listen, there's this company called Shine. They're making a TV TV cookery show. I don't know what it is, but they want to see you. I went down there and there was a lady, Karen Ross, very tough lady, very clever lady. Um, She interviewed me. She said, tell me about food. I said, anything? She said, anything you like? And I spoke without stopping for an hour. She said outside, she went, I'm remaking MasterChef.
1: (laughs) Wow. And that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you couldn't have had that conversation without the passion being inside anyway, could you? You no. you can answer an interview question like an exam question, but to speak for an hour on anything, it's got to be a passion inside.
0: Absolutely, absolutely it has and and a great deal of experience as 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 well. You know, you you can't talk about something if as you quite rightly say if you're not passionate or knowledgeable. Um that that was it. I think she was very brave back then, Karen Ross, because if you think how MasterChef used to be under Lloyd Grossman, it was very much a Sunday yeah, afternoon, yeah. middle-class people cooking, Mrs. Corby Trouser Press making a souffle. Chefs and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that and she was changing it. She was ripping that up and and going in a completely different direction. I mean, she found me you know, market trader, yeah, if you yeah. like, and and uh, and a hairy, armed Aussie chef called John Thoreau. She didn't even know we knew each other. And it's
1: still a great, great partnership together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of business and, and systems for success, mm. a lot of people don't ever think I've got a system. But you obviously went from early days market trader to building, a, in effect, a wholesale business. Would that be fair? Mm. Uh, then on to the telly. What systems or approaches to life do you think have, have been really important in your success wow okay okay i
0: read this somewhere i wrote it down kept it on my to-do list it comes up regularly um your future success depends on the people you meet and the books you read that that is absolutely imperative yeah, yeah, yeah. get out there meet people read as much as you can that's it another system Break your day down into chunks. Yeah. Okay. Break your day down into chunks. Um, make friends with everybody, whether you like them or not. There's another one. Um, I struggle with that one. Do <laughs> <just, laughs> no, you? On just, you know, and, and and learn, and learn from people. <laughs> and people will, actually, I learned this from you. You, you. I actually did learn this from you, Mike, is reach out to people. They are happy to help you. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. there is a, I, I now, whenever I meet people, if, if, they, if they're if they interesting, if I find them interesting, or if they've got influence in an area, fine. I keep a regular, I keep a note of them and I keep in regular contact with them. That's one of my systems. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. you, you're one of them. You're one of my mentors. Thank it you. might seem like, it might seem like uh, 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 off the cuff. No, it wasn't. You went back in my diary to talk to you again. Yeah. Everybody I think That has influence or i find interesting they get regular contact from me
1: well thank you and that that principle actually is something i try to teach so many people because they don't make that sales call or or they don't reach out or they don't ask because they have this whole conversation or conversations in their head with themselves with their interpretation or or expectation of what that person how that person will respond and often they'll give up because they've had the conversation and he said no or she said no and actually it's not based on any fact at all. It's feelings and thoughts, which aren't fact. And yet their life has taken a direction. I love the thing with Jim Ron. I was talking to the guys on the drive down here, you know, and one of the things he said, which really haunts and motivates me at the same time, he said a good, uh, and he'd got it, uh, I think he would heard it from Les Brown, who is another great, like, motivator. Uh, and he said, a good way to die is in a, in a bed, on your deathbed, with your loved ones around you. So you can say, I love you. And they can say, we love you. And you both share and express that love and feel that love in those last moments. He said the opposite of that is, imagine you haven't got your loved ones around you, but you've got all your hopes and dreams that you never fulfilled. And they And they say to you, I was a dream that came just for you. You're the only person that could have given me that dream. You could have brought me to life. And I can't be that for anyone else. And now I'm going to die with you because I was your dream. I was your idea. I was your purpose, but you never exploited me. Wow. And it's like, wow! I, I think I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I don't want to go to my deathbed being a would have, could have, should have, but didn't. People don't know our relationship, right? Just so that they do
0: know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate this now. Um, you are one of my gurus. I turn to you for a lot of Thank things. You. I go through my... When I've got a problem or I've got a new area I want to explore, I go through my phone and I pick out the people I think can give me some advice. You're one of them. Thank you. What, one of the things I learned from you... Was to I don't know whether you even remember some of the conversations we have. You told me to write down what it was I wanted and to read that regularly. I don't know why that works. But if that's constantly in your mind, you tend to get there. Cherry Healy, the girl I do inside the factory with, she said, Greg Wallace, you amazed me. This is after I'd had a meeting with you. She said, we were chatting because we've done inside the factory together for 10 years. We're good mates. And she said it was eight years ago, eight, nine years ago. And she said, so what, what do you want, Greg? And I went, oh, uh, big house, detached, gravel drive, electronic gates. She was like, what, excuse me? <laughs> I was like, and I had it written down. And I don't know how, two years later, there 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 I was. Now I've got written down this much in the pension plan,
1: working yeah. this many hours a day. And I don't know why that works. And I learned that from you. Well, I can tell you why in a minute. Go on, but go on. So um, two things really. One, they say a, a goal that's not written down is a dream. Equally, a dream with a date on it is a goal. So it's got to be written down. I think it's like making a contract with yourself. There's something about putting pen to paper. That's really important. But more important, the psychology of it. We've got our conscious. We all know that. We've got our subconscious. But what we also have is something called the creative subconscious. And the creative subconscious is often called the taxi driver. And what's the first question a taxi driver wants the answer to when you get in a cab? Where are you going? Where are you going? Now, if you said, that's all right, just drive. It's a... All right. But you could end up anywhere. You could end up in the wrong place. Certainly, it's going to cost you and you're not going to get anywhere or you're not going to get anywhere you want to go because you haven't told them where you want to go. So you can equally say, oh, can I go north, mate? The taxi driver would say, all right, because they'll drive, that's what they do. They'll take you. It's a bit like saying, I want to be successful. All right. Well, one pound more than last week is successful, isn't it? Mm. Uh, um, I want to be successful at weight loss. Well, one pound in a year less is still success. So. So but if you said to a taxi driver, I want to go to 19 Princes Street, Edinburgh, and I need to be there by six o'clock at night. Suddenly, boom, he's got all the information. He can work just like a sat-nav. If you could put Edinburgh in, that's fine, but it could be anywhere in Edinburgh um, and it will take you to the center because that's the way sat-navs are programmed. But you could be completely in the wrong place. If you give a postcode into a sat-nav or to a taxi driver, their brains are amazing. Our brains are amazing, but they're programmed to to work with that. That's why your creative subconscious is called that. And it's worked all the routes back. And do you know what? If we get halfway there and there's a roadblock It'll work a route round, just like a taxi driver. Oh shit, this traffic we will turn off, quick as a flash, they've found another route. When you give your taxi driver, your creative subconscious, a clear goal with, it has to be smart, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timed. When you put those elements into a goal, write it down, lock it in, repeat it, and read it regularly, you are almost unstoppable. That taxi driver, in the same way that taxi drivers are, they'll do anything to try and get you there on time. And they know all the routes. And if they don't, they'll they'll ring another mate and say, Do you know how to do this? They've just got this network. And and if you think of the creative subconscious and anything you give it, it will it will deliver to the best of its ability, even if it hits hurdles along the way. You would always be specific about your goals. Well, I'm here to tell everybody. You already
0: know, right? So I'm preaching to the converted. It works. I've never been able to tell people why it works, <laughs> but I could honestly say with my hand on my heart, looking them squarely in the eye, it works. Write it down. Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, like so, as you when people say, "Well, I want to be rich," no, 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 that's not specific enough. Why do you want to be rich? What would you do with being rich? What does rich mean to you? Yeah, what yeah, is yeah. that? What is that? So I was speaking to speaking to a fella because I. I I now mentor people about, right, about yeah. health, right? And I'm speaking to a fellow, and he said, well, that's ridiculous if I write things down. It would, he said he was an artist. Oh, I want to sell more paintings. I was like, no, 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 no. Why do you want to sell more paintings? Well, I want money. Now we're getting there. How much money do you because it might not be yeah. the paintings, mate? Yeah. It might, it, it, this is money you, you're talking about. That's why you want to sell them how it got from health to his paintings. And that was that was the point. Write down your
1: goals, it works well. And that's the thing you'll find. And you know, I'll get on to I want to talk about Show Me Fit in a minute, but when you start mentoring people, a lot of people say, Oh, no, no, I'm a business mentor, or no, I don't know anything about business, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a health mentor. Or that. The reality is. When you connect with somebody to help them move to a better place, you've got to work with the whole person. You can't dissect them, you know, because if someone only talks to me about their, their business life and, and at any point in time, I'm working with over 40 people one to one and then broader in through podcasts or media generally. But when I'm working with them, if they've got a drug problem over here or their relationships falling apart over here or, you know, they're, they're successful, but they don't know how they become successful and they're feeling insecure. If I can't address or at least let them know I'm willing to talk about all of those elements, we can never properly do this. No, no, I, 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 well, you're,
0: you're, you are a great mentor. I've only just started. I, I, I don't charge people. I, I wanted to learn more about people. So, um, I start, and the first thing you have to do, no matter what their goals are, the first thing i realize realized you have to do is get them to explain their lives.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, the first thing. Which is hard for them often, uh, yeah. which is hard. Uh, yeah. And, and, and even then what I find with people is I say, I mean, I, I never went to uni like you, you know, into a terrible school, which was once called... A At demon- least you went to school. Yeah, exactly. I did go to it. But it was called a demonized repository for social waste by an eminent Cambridge psychologist. What a terrible label to give kids. But anyway, I went there and later from Anglia, Ruskin University, great university, I was awarded an honorary doctorate, doctor of education, which of all the things they might want to give me, it really like... I love education with a passion, but not necessarily just academic. It's this lifelong learning. It's like every, I want to keep learning. every day's a school day kind of approach. Uh, and I often say to my mentees in that first interactions, treat me like a doctor. Um, if you went to a doctor and you only give me half the symptoms, I'll give you the wrong medicine. Or if you exaggerate the system, say, oh, it's not too bad. You know, my mom used to do that. She'd be like... She was disabled, but she got a doctor. Doctor would say, how are you? I'm all right. (laughs) I said, mum, you know, you're terrible. But so she would underplay it. Some people overplay it. If we don't tell it as it is and tell all the symptoms, we get the wrong medicine. Now, in a medical sense, that could kill you. And equally, I say to people, probably ain't going to kill you if I give you the wrong advice. But if you try and shine it for me and tell me it's lovely when it ain't, I think we're starting from here and we're starting from here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you because I'm, I'm giving you stuff which is beyond where you are. But equally, if you are down here, that's okay. You know, I've, I've failed. I've been bankrupt. I've been homeless. We've been there. We can come back. Loads of people can. But it's that honesty, that everything. Let's share it and then we'll work together on a plan. I think if you have a goal, this is what I would say to people, if you have a goal, you will
0: get there. What you're talking about here before you start on this journey is not whether you'll get there or not. It's how fast do you want to get there? How dedicated are you going to be to it? Because the more dedicated you are to a single goal, the faster you'll get there. But don't worry if it takes you longer. Don't think you failed. You, As long as you are prepared yeah, to go yeah, in yeah. search of this goal, you will get there. What you're not talking about is whether you will or not. No. It's how long it's going to take.
1: Well, but you've got to have that belief. And it's a bit like um you you have loads of jokes in your head which they just come out, don't they? And and equally I'm full of these quotes. And one that just as you were saying that, I was thinking of was Napoleon Hill. What the mind of man can conceive and believe they can achieve. Mm. What they can conceive and believe they can achieve. You know, who'd have thought we could really have rockets that could go into outer space? You know, fly flying vehicles for God's sake. You know, there's nothing that I believe if we get the conception of it detail it get to a level of belief that become unstoppable you will die trying and you know what you won't be unfulfilled because following that passion is everything to you and people think it's the success which is great to achieve those things but it's the journey that's more important when we look back isn't it i think it is and also for anyone listening here uh we
0: i am not talking about putting my life's goals into your life I'm talking about you figuring out, anyone listening, what your goals are, not copying mine and yours. What are yours?
1: Write them down. Well, and that's why the first thing we do with the maps, and we worked on a map all those years ago, what's your current state? Where are you today, honestly? You know, don't matter, I'm not gonna judge. There's no nothing that's too bad. And I've done this with homeless people as well who are on drugs, home, they've got no relationship with their family. And the goal often was to get off drugs, get a home, reconnect with their family, get a job, uh, and feel proud of themselves, you know. It's still, where where are we, where do we want to be? Equally, I could be a bank manager who wants to run a business. I could be uh, a sportsman that wants to have an educational academy or whatever it is. Uh, Where are we, where do we want to be? And then, okay, to get from here to here, what areas we've got to work on, what actions we've got. And very first time, one of uh, of the early times when we met and we started to work on your map, it was about multiple streams of income. Because as we said, back then you thought, oh, Marshall, it'll only be a one-off gig. You know, what if they get rid of me next season or something? I mean, we look back now, it's like, that was never gonna happen. But but you have got these multiple streams of income. So along the way, you know, and MasterChef takes a huge part of your life and it's very hard to plan because mm. when you're filming, you don't know if it's gonna be a two hour day or 20 hour day, you just gotta be there. You gotta do it. They, They own you in terms of diary sense. But we talked about how, okay, there's times of your life it's like that. We can fit other things in between. Uh, And you've successfully now, I mean, you've written books, you're you're a health and wellness guru, I think. I want to talk about that in a minute. Uh, Media personality, entrepreneur, businessman, but you know, and you've got multiple streams of income now. Yeah. And on the telly, you've got multiple different television programs. Different gigs
0: and the importance of planning. The importance of planning and not just not knowing where you're going each day, not knowing where you're not going with life. As you said, when we got together, well, we were friends first and then you you started to help me when you start to map out and plan. And can I just tell you a little story about planning, a little story? And I had this conversation with my son. I was going to France on on holiday. So I said to him, I was really proud of myself. I said, I have booked every single restaurant that we're going to as a family. He wasn't coming with me. He's, he's 28 now. I said, and I've booked the taxis to go there. And he looked at me and I said, what's the matter? Does that sound a little bit like OCD? He went, it's a bit uptight, Dad. And I said, well, what would you, what would you do? Well, you just head into the town, don't you? And you, 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 w- you have a drink and you mill about and you see which restaurant you might go to. Sounds nice, right? Sounds more relaxed. I sat there, in piazzas, in town squares, in nice restaurants, watching couple after couple, family after family, drift into these restaurants and get and turned get away because yeah. there was it wasn't the, the let <clears throat> let me tell you planning is not uptight planning is freedom. If you want to put in your day, do nothing for three yeah. hours, Go. put it in. But don't let your life just happen to you by accident. Yeah, yeah, Put yeah. some planning in there. I mean, listened to what he said and I had his words ringing in my ears and I honestly sat there watching so many people get turned away from full-up restaurants.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And... Um, one, one of the things, that, two of the things that come to mind as you're saying that is that I say to people, and they're old cliches, but cliches are cliches because they're said often. They're said often because they're a lesson that is being taught through generations. But to me, it's about, what is it, the six Ps or seven Ps, or proper planning prevents piss poor performance. <laughs> you know, if we don't plan, we can't then argue that we didn't achieve. Or we have to accept it, and it's fine if people want to live their life like rudderless like that. But you could head in, you could be driven into a storm if you're rudderless. If you don't plan, it's gonna life is going to happen to you. You're not going to be able to live life absolutely. But equally, <clears> the <throat> importance of doing nothing. People often say to me, "Do you do you ever just do nothing?" I say, "Bloody hell, I sit down. My life. We, my wife, we love watching some Netflix series and just vegging out occasionally." I said, "But I, th- I think about it as mindful mindlessness." So in the sense that rather than doing that sort of thing in the morning where people, a lot of time, they'll wake up, where's the phone, where's the phone? And they'll start going through loads of stuff. And they think, oh, shit, I'm late for work because time went away with you. So what I say is, if I'm going to do that mindful mindlessness, I'll try and do it at the end of the day. So I start my day, I go get a coffee, get in the gym, I'm watching Eddie Pinero or someone like that, or Jim or Ron on YouTube. I've got my goals in front of me on the dashboard. I keep a copy at home, copy in the gym and copy in my bag. I've got it here today um, of my goals. So I I can look at them regularly, just remind myself of know them, but seeing them is different. Um, but by the end of the day, I'm gonna have two hours where I can just veg out. I can fall asleep. I can watch mindless telly uh, or programs because I've allowed myself the space to just be. And that's really important because as someone who works out a lot in the gym, when do your muscles grow? When you rest when you're resting so if you just worked out all the time your muscles are never going to grow so equally in business we can be planned we can be goal set we can be driven we can be hard at it but we need to sleep we need good eight hours we need to rest we need to do nothing and let our brain reboot as it were i think in my diary every day every single day
0: is go for a walk read the walk is 20 minutes half an hour read is half an hour This is in work days. Weekend, it's an hour. Read, walk, and have a 20-minute nap. And that goes into every single workday, every single weekday. I'm lucky I've got a PA who who runs my life. Uh, But that goes, because it's important. But the difference is here, mine are scheduled. I know know they're important, so I put them into my life. If sitting on the sofa every night for two hours was important to me, that would go in my diary. This is the point I'm trying yeah, yeah, yeah. to make. It's not my it's your, schedule.
1: It's your, it's your goals, your it's, needs. It's my
0: schedule. It's But, you know, if it was, right, cook cook dinner for the family. It's going to take an hour and a half. That yeah, would go yeah, yeah. in. It's, it's, it's your lives, people. Uh, all I'm saying is don't
1: let it be chaos. Put it into a plan. However weird that may sound. And sometimes people say, yeah, but, you know, all my family, they've all been engineers or they've all been bankers or we're a family of doctors, whatever it is. I'll say, yeah, but can you imagine Mick Jagger's family? And he says, Yeah, I want to dance and sing. And you can imagine a parent back in the day say, You what? Get yourself a proper job, you know. And and if he had, if he had listened and then hadn't followed that dream, that passion, if you like, how many millions, billions of people around the world would have missed 50, 60 years of entertainment, pleasure, enjoyment that's going to go on for Eight decades more even after he's died but he's still loving his life you can see it he doesn't have to entertain anymore but he entertains anyway because that's always what he wanted to do I guess
0: Uh yeah I wonder if I could have put international rockstar down as a plan yeah. I think <laughs> well, it would have been tricky it has to be your goal doesn't it
1: but so tell me about uh, we've had uh All these years, we've known each other. And you you then went on a journey of looking after yourself more Mm. uh, and making some different choices. Mm. And here you are today with thousands of people subscribing Mm. every month Mm. to show me fit because they recognize that it's hard to be fit at any age, but it's harder to be fit over 50. And, And it's not just healthy, but it's strength, vitality, Longevity, all of those things. So, tell me a bit about Show Me Fit and how that came about, and where, why what it's important to you.
0: Oh, mate, how long have you got? Yeah, you, you've known <laughs> me for the best part of twenty years, and you know that I've always been looking around for something other than the telly. This Show Me Fit happened to me in in lockdown, and it has proved to probably be the most passionate project of my life. Uh, It's something that I am so into and and, and I study on a daily basis and I I mentor people free of charge because I just want to learn more. Um, I lost five stone. This is how it came about. I lost five stone. And because I have to do a lot of press for the TV shows I do, I'm in front of a lot of journalists. And they kept asking me questions about how I lost the weight to the point where the TV and PR people said, could you stop hijacking our (laughs) interviews with your weight loss? I said, no, that's not happening. The journalists, that's what they're asking me. That's when I realised there was a massive interest. And there was an
1: interest, yeah, yeah.
0: During lockdown, when I had nothing to do, this is what happens when you lock up. So you
1: couldn't film at that point? Couldn't
0: do anything. There I am in my office at home. I started to actually write down the process by which I actually lost weight and I wrote it as an educational program that I could teach other people and so there I came up with this formula and that formula through my daughter Libby who I'm incredibly proud of who's just turned 26 uh, and the and my wife who's probably one of the best amateur cooks I've ever met the three of us just came up with this website yeah, yeah, that we that we launched a- around around locked and that was nearly three years ago and that is the direction my life is now going
1: and you, and it reaches you to home uh I know anna's marine is she's involved as well it's something the whole family can really do but there's a natural passion there because the, you know, you, you, I from what I remember, you're, when you and Anna got together, it was a similar passion for food. Uh, and Max, her dad, has got a passion for different foods as well. Hasn't well, he? I live in um,
0: Anna's Anna's family are Italian, <clears throat> and uh, I live with Anna's mum and dad. I mean, it's a house full of like Italian foodies. I mean, there is such good food yeah, in yeah. my house. There's fine wines. You know, there's always decent chilled beer in the fridge. I mean, I I, I come home to an, a, a gang of Italians sitting around the kitchen table eating. I, I, it's it's wonderful but it's all healthy food yeah. and, it, and it's all, and it's all, it's all, there's, it's not bad food. So I would say it's difficult to explain show me fit. Show me fit members say, how do I explain this to other people? Cause it, it's not a diet. It's a going back to old fashioned values of actually eating three meals a day. That's what it is. It's most certainly not a diet. What I've realized over the years now is that, for most people, their food happens to them by accident. So they leave the house in the morning without breakfast, They don't really know what their lunch is. So they're they're grabbing croissants and packets of crisps along the way. Lunchtime, they're looking for a meal deal. Dinner time, they get home. They they haven't planned anything. So they look in the fridge and they go, oh, I can't. And then they phone a takeaway. So consequently, two things happen here. One is you spend a lot more money on your shopping than you should do. And the second one is you put on weight.
1: Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) And you don't know what you're eating, really, because you're not thinking about it.
0: In order to lose weight, you don't need to diet. Diet's are terrible things that you do for a short space of time and they're really uncomfortable. In order to be healthy and maintain proper weight, and, and health, you have to make what you eat a priority in yeah, your life. Right, right. You have to make looking after you a priority in your uh, life. And
1: I know you really believe that because through the few years that you've been doing Show Me Fit, uh, I know that you never use the word diet in there, unless you're saying don't diet. <laughs> you know, it is about lifestyle. But if we talk about systems for success, wow. I don't just mean in business. I'm talking wow. about systems in life. Wow, and there does need to be a bit of a system, doesn't mate. I?
0: That's the first thing I do when I when I when I mentor people now, and I've had huge successes. I've had one girl lost ten stone over two years. I've had another girl lost seven stone. I've had families, like, honestly, and you know, people off the diabetics list. I know I've had huge successes. Can I just can I give the best endorsement? Of this that I've got right now, you know me, and you know some of the press I've had over the years. Getting into trouble, the few like, yeah, <laughs> scuffles in place, different girlfriends, even different marriages. The press pick up on everything I say and criticise a lot of what I do. Nobody has criticised show me fit at all. Which is great.
1: Well, how can you? I mean, because it, it, you've lost five stone, you've got more energy, more strength. You you know that you're going to live longer f- for that kind of lifestyle. You can chase uh, the family around the garden with with vigor, not not like thinking, oh, I'll have a, a a two minute run and then I'm out. You
0: know, um, because it's not it's not a mad system. It's not a crazy diet. It just but, basically but makes sense. Are there
1: any um, systems? Systems, God, yeah, yeah. 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 The so first, what, what would they be?
0: Yeah, yeah the first is systems, vitally important, vitally important. First thing I do when I mentor people is I say to them, right, okay, you're not cooking. You probably don't know how to cook, right? Don't worry. Don't, don't worry about that. They go, I haven't got time to cook. <clears> when I hear I haven't got time, I'm, that instantly translates to you don't know how. Because right, if you right. if you if you do know how to cook, you know it doesn't take very long. So the first thing you do is go right. You're busy. Of course I'm busy. Of course I'm busy. Really busy. Yeah, oh, massively busy. Do you meal plan? No, oh, I haven't got time to meal plan. What? Sit down half an hour meal. Interesting, because you went to the shop seven times last week. No, yeah, right, right. you haven't got time to meal plan. Okay, let's do this. Let's do a little project here. Okay, let's look at your life. Let's look at a day. Look at how many hours do you work? <sighs> Eight hours. Okay, this is good. Travel time. Half an hour each way. Okay, we've got nine hours. You know where I'm going with this? How many hours do you sleep? You want to get eight hours? Yeah, okay. Nine plus eight, that's 17 hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's happening to the rest of the hours? It seems to me you've got another seven. What? you've got another seven hours. What are you doing with them? Well, well, let's figure out what you're doing with them, shall we? Because what do you want to do with them? Because that's a lot of time. And that, that, more than it, what people don't tell you about weight loss and health is they're all talking about diets and diets. No, 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 no first thing to do is get yourself organized Yeah, yeah. so that what you're eating control and becomes, yeah, yeah. becomes a problem. All the time you think your life is chaos, it's going to continue being yeah, chaos. Yeah. Once you start breaking it down. Now, business people like us, we used to break in our day down into sections. A lot of people have never done this before. Once you do your eight hours plus your hour travel time plus your eight hours sleep, you realise there must be a load of time. There must be, now you know when you can shop, now you know when you can cook. There you, you've done it, you've done it yourself. That is the first part to being healthy, not let's eat chicken breast and salad. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. missing from a lot of
1: people's lifestyles.
0: It's missing and it's missing when people talk about diets as well. In order to eat healthily, you have to first organise your life so you know you've got time to shop, to plan, to eat properly that's the first yeah, step yeah. it's it's a Mike you're a systems man. that's the system organize your life first
1: and then is it a is it a, is it then an, a continued education because I know you do your daily videos which which is incredible and I know that you share other people's stories on there which is always inspirational for other people to realize that and also we, we talk a lot about fitness or or movement as a way of diet or weight control as well. And I know you're big on, it's not like running seven miles every day. It's not about using all the machines in the gym. It's very simple pieces of kit that you use, isn't
0: it? Well, let me get this absolutely straight. I'm in the gym every day, right? Five days a week. Let me tell you this right now, and I'm going to say it two or three times, and I might even put a highlighter pen across it, and I might (laughs) even put it in italics, all right? If I can, I'll have it in a pop-up book. You do not need to exercise to lose weight. I'm just going to say it one more time. You do not need to exercise to lose weight. What you have to do is get your meals correct. What you've got to do is eat three meals a day. I didn't start going to the gym until I lost weight. Right. I go in the gym and I and I, I lift weights because I want to look as athletic. So that's about strength and vitality. Yeah, that's a, that's about strength. I'm not saying don't exercise. What I'm trying to tell you is you don't have to. Now, what I've learned is nothing puts off overweight people more from starting to get healthy than thinking they have to exercise. <clears throat> Right. They, it scares right, right, them. Right, right. So, because they've
1: got enough to think about
0: already. Uh, yeah, they they, they they don't want it. They don't want it. It scares them. So it will stop them doing it. You don't need to do it. All those people I mentioned earlier, the 10 stone losses, the 7 stone losses, the 8 stone losses, none of them have been in the gym yet. Right, mate. Right. You don't need to exercise. If you want to, brilliant. Brilliant. It can speed things up, but it's not important. Any gym instructor will tell you, whatever you're trying to achieve, it's going to be about what you eat. More yeah, 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 yeah. than what you, but I have this conversation with people day, They go, Well, you're in the gym every day, yeah, but not to lose weight. To I'm, get I'm, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. I'm I'm not with a tracksuit on a treadmill for an hour and a half. I'm 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 pumping iron, Mike. Yeah. Is what I'm doing.
1: Brilliant. So this is going to be a part of your life for the rest of your life. I'm taking it as well.
0: Yeah, we we we're we're going to expand this. Uh, we're building on a building an app. At the moment, because that seems the way that things are going. Uh, I had a wonderful conversation. We've now got Loughborough University as an academic partner. Oh, fantastic! I've, I've got to tell you this. This is this is just amazing. And amazement. you got
1: a supermarket interested as well.
0: Uh, I don't want to say. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. We, we yeah we've also been in conversation with the NHS. Um, people like what it is we're doing. So let me, let me do this story about Loughborough University. I'm really proud. So I I just got a call from a lady. She said, I'm, I'm senior lecturer in psychology at uh, Loughborough University. She said, my daughter found your Show Me Fit website. She said, and lost weight and developed a really happy attitude with, uh, oh, with, with food, she says, So you don't know, but I've been having a close look at what you've been saying for the last three months. We think what you're saying is absolutely right. Would you fantastic. like an academic part? I was like, wow, come on! I said, so how mu- uh, we're
1: going to see uh, Doctor uh, Greg soon. <laughs> yeah. I said, how much does it cost?
0: Went, no, 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 no. They said we might even be able to get some funding to to swap research notes with you. We fantastic. think we think what you're saying, like diets don't work, and it's got to be about a healthy lifestyle. Is is this is where I want my life to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't give up telly because I, I I love telly that this is what I want to do. Do you know what I've I've found actually having a business that actually helps people is is quite a phenomenal thing here. It's a phenomenal thing.
1: It's interesting because you know that, uh, in fact, I even put it on the front of my book, I I shamelessly adopted Stephen Covey's mission for life, which was to live, to love, to learn, to leave a legacy. And and you know all of those things are important to me. But the older I get, the more I start thinking about legacy. You know what what stamp have I left on this world? What lessons have I given my kids? What messages have I shared with people out there? Is this is this is this the 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 thing you most want to be remembered? Yes, for? it is. I, I I joke and I've told quite a few people this
0: is that I want your grandchildren to drive to Trafalgar Square to find a statue of Greg Wallace in a toga holding a pineapple because <laughs> he's he saved the nation from obesity. That is Fantastic. that. That, that is my mission. That is something that I can keep on growing. It can go in different directions. It could even go into other countries. Th- this, I've, I've, I've found it. The one frustration for me is, yeah, is yeah, I love yeah. that and I love telly. And telly takes up a lot. Yeah, lo- more than one passion there. Yeah, yeah, but telly takes up a lot of your life, you know, yeah. to, to, to try and, I yeah, get frustrated yeah, yeah, that yeah, I yeah. don't have the time that I'd like to spend on, on Show Me Fit, but there's no way I'm giving up the telly. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, what a great uh, thing, though, to chase your dreams to a point where you're torn between two loves. uh, And on that note, um, I will make sure the links are in the podcast as ever, mate. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed, subscribe, follow, like, uh, and we look forward to speaking to you again. Bye for now.